Hi everyone and welcome back to The Cash Conversation, a cabber podcast for those who want to get thrifty with their personal finances. I'm your host, Gabriel Nesbam, and today I'm joined by Christian Holmes. Hello. CEO at CABA, the occupational charity for ICAEW Chartered Accountants. Alongside him, I have psychologist Stefan Walters. Hi. We'll be discussing the topic of money and the power money can hold over our lives. We're going to explore the hold that money has on us after graduating and entering the workforce. We'll be delving deeper into the psychology of money and how it can affect our thoughts, relationships and actions. At the moment, it's very clear that things in the economy, especially negative headlines, are impacting people on their, in their everyday life. We've got things like rising costs of food and all other necessities that people have to go with, interest rates, inflation. It seems to be negative headline after negative headline. Christian, I'll come to you. When it comes to the cost of living crisis and the way the economy is currently handling itself, are you starting to see people thinking more about the way they are trying to manage their money? I think we're all thinking about how we manage our money. I think cost of living crisis has brought into real focus uh, some of the challenges. For some of us, it's the end of the month. For some of us, it's the whole month that we're struggling. And more and more of us are getting into debt. And it's certainly more difficult for the younger generation. At CABA, We've seen an increased number of people coming to us for debt concerns. We've seen an increased number of people using our financial support. And all of these things are indicative that there are, there are some stresses and there are some real worries for people in the sector. I think that the overarching point that is very clear is that in the current, current economy and in the current crisis that we have, people are thinking more about money, the way that it interacts with them on an everyday basis. And I want to flip this to you, Stefan. In terms of the work that you do with your clients, are you also seeing an increase in financial worries? Absolutely, yeah. It's it's either coming into the session in a very direct way where people are talking about their money worries and talking about sleeplessness and anxiety, constant stress, things like that, or it's coming into the session in an indirect way where people are saying they can't afford to socialise as much, they're having to neglect some of the things that used to be good for their mental health, um, perhaps it's compromising relationships. People can't afford to go out on dates, for example, or go out and meet their friends doing social activities that might be expensive the way that they're used to. Uh, perhaps even compromising therapy itself. Uh, and we think about mental health. Is that a need or is that a want? You know, and, and is it something that's vital to us all? And we're having to put that aside. And, and some clients are saying, I can't afford weekly sessions and perhaps I have to do it fortnightly or monthly. And so I think what's happening in the therapy room is a microcosm of what's happening outside as well as people really having to think about their lifestyles and their habits and what they can afford to do and it's massively impacting mental health so yeah it's coming into the sessions and we're seeing that in therapy and kind of flipping the script on that uh, instead of the way that finances are impacting our mental health are you starting to see poor mental health affecting finances absolutely it, it quickly becomes a bit of a chicken and an egg scenario doesn't it of which came first was it the financial worry or was it the stress and that becomes a bit of a negative feedback loop quite quickly um, if you're not sleeping and if you're constantly stressed then how on top of your budget are you going to be uh, and how aware are you going to be of some of your decisions um, so absolutely it becomes a loop uh, becomes quite circular i want to take a bit a look at a bit of the root of this problem something that I'm quite passionate about when it comes to both mental well-being, but of course, the way that you look after your personal finances, and that's in our education system. So 
I've grown up having no formal way of being taught personal finance. Everything that I share online or that I put out through my social media has been self-taught in some way, shape or form. And of course, this is great for me personally, but that doesn't perform well for the rest of the country. It's a topic that I'm passionate about in terms of how do we bring personal finance education to the masses. Christian, what are your thoughts on the current education system, the way that it currently talks about personal finances, the way to think about it, and also mental well-being? So, that, so at the moment, it's tucked away in the, in, in the curriculum in social sciences. It's also taught in a, in a relatively abstract way. When, when we leave school or when we leave college and we head to university or we head into work, we face a, a very different set of financial situation circumstances. We have to deal with things like debt. I think the debt to income ratio of young professionals is something around 70%. Yet we, yet we don't talk about that and we don't equip people to be able to manage debt. So, so I think there is an awful lot more we could do, both academically and practically in secondary school. Equally, I think there's more that employers can do. And then there are organisations like CABA that can help fill that gap. But we can leave school without any real clear way of understanding our personal finances and how we're going to navigate through both having money, how we're going to be spending more, how we're going to save more, and how we incur and manage and pay back the debt that we incur. I think these are all great points. I wish this was something that was taught to me personally because take, for example, university. I left university in debt. I did. Pretty much everyone that leaves university is in debt. And yet that subject in and of itself has never been formally taught to me. Now, how am I going to have to manage that whilst, you know, maintaining my living expenditures, things like rent, trying to take on a new world, dealing with my new income source that's probably coming in after university? Um, it's crazy. So it's brilliant that CABA are providing resources to obviously people of all ages, but in particular, young people coming through, graduating, starting a new career. Um, and I think for that, that's commendable. Thank you. I think, I think it, it's quite a challenge for people. And it's not only what we can predict, of course, the, the, the issue with finances, there's a whole series of things in our lives that we can't predict. The increase in mortgage or the increase in rent or the, or the punctured tire that we suddenly have to afford. Mm -hmm. Of course, these, these things can be quite stressful. Growing up, when you're, you know, under 18 years old, when you're living with your parents or your guardians, money might not have such a big impact in your life. And at the end of the day, the biggest responsibilities are probably held to those older than you looking after you. But as you do kind of cross over that threshold into adulthood and you start earning money, like I said, debt becomes a big part of people's lives that go to university. You start to just realize how much you interact with money on a daily basis. And I wanna ask, what are these reasons that money does hold such power over us? I think money and our relationship with money is quite complex and nuanced and, and quite individual. It's with us every day, isn't it? We're here in London. I caught a train this morning. That cost me money. I bought a cup of coffee. That cost me money. I bought a sandwich. That cost, I've been spending money all day. The relationship that we have with money and when we start spending presents challenges for us and, opp and opportunities for us. And of course, when we spend, it has an impact on our financial situation and our financial situation has an impact on our emotional and well-being as well. Spending money can elicit all sorts of feelings. It can elicit joy when we spend money. I'm going to be quite excited to spend some money on, on something, a sense of accomplishment when I finally finished paying off a debt. But on the flip side, 
there's a whole series of negative feelings associated with money as well, like shame um, or guilt. It's quite a complex relationship that we've got with money. It's tied to our emotional state. If we're feeling good about ourselves, that's fine. But when, when things become difficult, it can, it can bring us down, make us feel anxious, make us feel depressed. We all have mental health um, and we all manage our mental health. But sometimes financial worries can exasperate existing mental health conditions as well. I think money and our relationship with money is quite complex. Personally, I've never felt on top of it. I've tried my very best. I think in, in my life, it's been some of the darkest days when I've been in debt and haven't really understood how to get in control of all of that. And for other times, it's been quite joyous occasions, buying a motorbike or something like that, or a car or something of that nature. And it constantly evolves through our life. So we graduate and we have a set of challenges and opportunities. We may be lucky enough to start a family and that, and that creates another set of financial challenges. We may have dependents, young and old, during the course of our life that create uh, a different challenge. It's complex, it's with us every day. It doesn't just affect our bank balance, it affects our mood and our well-being. It's important that we try and take charge of that aspect of our lives. I think one thing that you mentioned that was really nice there for the listener was describing your own highlights and lowlights of the way that you've interacted with money. And I think sharing that is very powerful because someone listening might think it must be only me experiencing these experiences. And to hear a personal anecdote on the way that money has held power over your life is hopefully something that can alleviate some of that stress to make people feel less alone when it comes to this problem. Stefan, in your line of work, how have you seen in particular the way that money holds power over people impacts their mental well-being? I think for a lot of people, they want to feel that they have agency and autonomy in their life choices. And actually money is a huge gatekeeper to some of those choices and some of uh, that sense of autonomy. Whether it's the massive things like the kind of home I live in and where that home is, or the smaller things like where I'm going to go out for dinner tonight or what I get to have for lunch. So we all want to feel that sense of autonomy and authenticity in our lives. And the money that we have available to us can, can play a huge part in that. So when there are financial stresses, it can really start to take a toll on people's sense of themselves and their identity and the choices available to them. And then there are knock-on mental health effects pretty quickly in terms of stress and sleep and just feeling that we're, we're not having that sense of ourselves that we would like to be. So money plays a huge part in our lives in terms of that sense of control and choice. And then I would say also what often is activated for people is that there has been a financial trauma for many of us in our lives. You know, it could be something small that we, we bought something as a child and it turned out it was a bit of a wasted purchase. It was a toy that we thought we'd love and we played with it once and never again. Something small like that or uh, the breakdown of a family unit and having to sell the family home and move somewhere else. So I think most of us have experienced a financial trauma in our lives and when we're going through something like a cost of living crisis and suddenly aware of that kind of stuff again we experience a re-traumatization and all of that stuff gets activated whether we're aware of it or not and so many people who were previously quite confident and happy and in what you might call an abundance mindset can very quickly slip into what we would call a scarcity mindset and really lose that sense of self-esteem and confidence and stop making the choices they felt they used to
So it comes into therapy and psychology an awful lot. I think you activated a memory for me very quickly there about a toy that I bought that I was so sure yeah. I was going to love for the rest of my life. Went straight in a box and under a bed somewhere yeah. Yeah, well, within seconds. Great so, life lesson. Yeah, but it's incredible that that happens at such a young age, mm. our interaction with money. I think I heard the other day a stat that our first understanding, it might not be the right word, of money happens as young as three or four years old where we start to look at the shape of coins and mm. understand the different sizes. And then even at seven or eight years old, we start to understand the value of money. Yeah. So it's incredible that the psychology of it can date all the way back to, to that period of our lives. Mm. And I want to mention as well that whilst we are talking about some of the more serious aspects of money and the power that it does have over us, we're going to talk about solutions later on in the show for those people that are wondering, does it get positive from here and does it go uphill? It definitely does. Christian, can I ask you if you have any practical tips or advice for people listening on how to manage their financial anxiety and stress? Absolutely. The three pieces of advice I would give anybody are self-care, money management and getting help. Self-care, looking after yourself, trying to understand your relationship and mindset with money. Money management, budgeting, managing your debt, getting on top of things, and getting help. Getting help, talking to your social group, your social network, talking to friends and family about the challenges that you are facing, or turning to organisations like CABA who can give specialist advice. Stefan, do you have any tips to help people cross that barrier and just become more confident in order to help them communicate with other people about their problems? Yeah, we've got to break down that shame and that stigma, haven't we? There's such a fear of speaking about money and uh, I think there's a fear of social exclusion or of uh, breaking these taboos that you're, you're going to say something you're not allowed to say. We, we're all afraid to say what we earn or what we would charge for a certain service or what we feel certain things are worth. So really examining where that comes from. You know, if you think about how self-worth equates to material worth and how that, that relationship with money starts at a very young age in our family experiences and things like that, being aware of where some of these inner narratives around money and spending and worth come from, I think is really important. And we want to just challenge some of those ideas, you know, the more that we can model that and change that amongst our peers and our friend groups and with our colleagues, speak out and just be able to say, I have this anxiety around money or what do you think we should all be earning or what does this feel in terms of money for you and does this feel right? You know, just to start to be able to talk more about these sorts of anxieties and these feelings around money, I think is so important and we can all change that. It has to be a collective thing where we all start to break that stigma and that shame around uh, money. And do either of you have a, a practical tip for someone listening to this saying, I don't want to be the first person to take that leap in my family, friendship group, in my workplace? Because like you said, it has to be a collective effort, but it does feel like someone has to push over that first domino. How, if you're listening to this saying, I, I want to do it, like I'm there, I want to start breaking the stigma, but I'm scared. Mm. What would you say to that person? Yeah, it, it can feel really overwhelming to start with. So rather than being the one who feels that you have to get the ball rolling by having to start the conversation, you can start by finding a trusted person, someone that you feel might be a safe person to start with. That, that could even be in therapy. It might be your therapist. And just to perhaps ask a question, you know, just, just to ask other people the question, hey, have you ever felt nervous about money or do you ever think about money? Um, have you ever gone through any kind of financial anxiety in your life? And just to be curious, just, just to ask a kind of open-ended question 
perhaps use a couple of I statements about your own experiences. So it's not that you have to break the taboo and share anything about yourself, but just to start a conversation about it in a curious way, I think is a good first step. I think that's a, a brilliant first step. I mean, I've probably been a bit too harsh where I've gone out into the street to interview people and I've said, so how much do you earn? And they're like, sorry, what? <laughs> I'm not putting that on camera. In fact, they're not gonna say that off camera either. Right. Um, I think your first step works a little bit better than that. So there's some guidance to anyone watching this that's either seen one of my interviews or who is very, very scared that I might actually be approaching them, you know, next time out in London. We've now had a listener write in uh, with their personal problem, which I'm gonna share with you both now and hopefully we can get some advice. Hi guys, my name is John and I'm 29 years old. I live with my partner and we have a daughter, another on the way as well, congratulations. We live in a reasonably nice neighborhood and we bought a house about eight months ago. However, I'm finding it difficult because our new neighbors who are friendly also have very nice lifestyles and seem to be doing really well. We have been spending more time with them as my partner likes to be social, but I've been feeling more pressure recently to earn more, save more and live a bigger life to keep up with them. It means I'm working a lot later than I used to and now my partner keeps questioning what is going on. I don't want to explain why as it seems stupid to admit it. I don't feel like what I can offer is good enough in comparison, but having just moved house and spent a lot on the process, plus a new baby on the way, I'm constantly worried about our finances and whether I'll be able to give my family the life they deserve. I don't know why I feel like this or why I'm letting it affect me as much as I am. If you have any advice on how I should move forward with this, I would appreciate it. Sincerely, John. Chris, is it all right if I come to you first for any guidance that you can give? Of course, I don't want to be judgmental. Your own relationship with money is your own relationship with money. If John feels that it's overwhelming, I'd advise that he starts to take control of the situation if he feels able to, that he starts to think about a budget, particularly with another baby, on board and additional costs. I'd remind him that our actual worth isn't our net worth, that we're more than just our financial value. If he takes time to assess what's important to himself and his partner, if he takes time to assess his budget, his spending patterns and his income, then this needn't be overwhelming for him. Excellent advice. Stefan, is it all right if I come to you next mm. with anything you might want to share? Yeah, it's a classic example of um, social pressure, I think, and we're, we're all vulnerable to that mostly, I would say, through social media mm -hmm. these days and just comparing ourselves to what everyone else out there seems to be doing and how glamorous their lifestyles and their holidays might seem and then feeling this pressure to keep up or else there's a fear of exclusion and not being good enough. And it's, it's easy to forget our core values amidst all of that. So there was an interesting sentence in John's email where he says, uh, you know, I want to give my family the life they deserve. And I would really want to look at that with John. You know, it sounds like he's questioning his identity and it, he's thinking about himself in terms of the lifestyle that his neighbors are living and what they're doing and their material choices rather than his own core values. And I think if we could talk about that, really what's important to his children is the time spent with them and certainly not the car that's in the driveway. It's a brilliant final sentence about that. And you picked up on social media. Obviously, this is something that I put out a lot of my content on. And I think one thing that I wanna share is that social media in particular is designed to show your pros and very, very rarely show your cons. Mm -hmm. People are always showing the best sides, the things they've just bought and never sharing the problems that they have behind the scenes. And of course, John talks a lot about kind of his actual neighborhood and the people he's interacting with on a personal basis, but this translates in the same way. People like to share the good things, they don't like to share the bad things. So I think that if 
John can listen to both of you, the advice that you shared, I think it'll be one step towards a more financially secure and less anxious life. Mm. At Cabba, you offer a lot of helpful resources and content and support the ICAEW, hopefully I got that right, chartered accountants and ACA students. Are you happy to share a little bit more about why this is so important? Absolutely. When I struggled with money early on in my career, I became a master of avoidance, not looking at my bank account, not budgeting and hoping the whole thing would go away. Needless to say, it didn't. And I had to become proactive in resolving it. At CABA, we're an amazing organisation. We've got amazing resources on the web, but more than that, we've got some really brilliant staff, many of you met in, in the podcast, who are able to help. So, so CABA will help with everything from debt advice and budgeting advice to training, all the way through to grants like back to school grants, winter fuel allowances and financial grants to help people in hardship. My advice, come on our website, have a look around. If you're feeling brave enough, give us a call. Talk to one of the excellent staff who will be supportive, non-judgmental, completely independent and help you navigate everything from benefits, debt advice, debt consolidation, all the way through to getting you on the right footing. And I think most importantly, on top of everything that you've just said, it's just about opening and starting those conversations, reaching out to a professional, someone that doesn't even know you, no judgment, no pressure, and hopefully you'll be able to make a positive impact and change into your life at the end of that conversation. I think it's become very clear throughout this whole episode that talking about money is scary. It is, I'll admit it, I'll be the first to admit it myself. And Stefan, I wanna ask you, how can we start to create a more inviting environment, one that makes people feel safer to start these kind of conversations around money? Hopefully we're doing it right now, um, having these kind of conversations and putting them out there. And uh, you know, this could be an opening, couldn't it, for some people of, oh, I happen to listen to this podcast or I saw this thing online and have you ever thought about your finances or do you ever talk about financial anxiety or what's it like to just have a chat about money? So to start with something quite casual, and open like that rather than anything that seems daunting or intrusive. I think that can be a, a good way in. And just to start to break that stigma, start to break that shame around questions around money or anxiety around money. Some open-ended questions of do you ever get nervous about your spending or do you ever think about what you're making or do you ever think about asking for a promotion or a raise? And just being able to start some of those conversations with trusted people, being curious, being open, not necessarily having to put anything out there that, that feels too open or intrusive, but starting with, with little anecdotes and things like we're doing here. Great point, listening to this, this podcast. Hopefully we're inspiring you listening to this. <laughs> Christian, is there a way that we can kind of shift this conversation into people's everyday lives? In particular, what I wanna ask you about is the workplace. Are there things that managers, line managers, uh, people within certain industries, can talk to the people that they manage and that they look after around this topic? I think so. I think it's got to become part of everyday conversations in the workplace. So many of us are worried about money that it's important that the workplace addresses these issues. It's also incumbent on leaders to be honest about their financial situation. So just as in mental health, having honest, authentic, robust and transparent conversations about your own situation can help create that inclusive culture within an organization that allow these conversations to happen excellent guidance and hopefully something that can be taken away from this episode as a like you said a like i said even a practical bit of advice stefan 
I want to just ask one more question on this topic and it's what are the benefits of talking about money, especially with your, perhaps your support system or your circles? Because we've spoken about how important it is. We haven't actually said, why is it good? What are the actual positive outcomes? Mm -hmm. The main benefit I think is just honesty and transparency. And we all feel better when we can all be honest and transparent. So starting to model those kinds of conversations with the people around us is, is really beneficial for all of us just to say, hey, how are we feeling about the cost of living crisis? How are we all feeling about money at the moment? How are we feeling about spending and budgeting and saving and is there anything that we all need to do to help each other and to be more aware of this and to uh, take into account so that we can all be in this together i think that's a really good lesson and i think one thing i want to share about the practical benefits i've seen from talking about money is that because it's such a taboo and because it's not a taught subject you can have these quick learnings from just a quick conversation so for example if i'm talking to someone about my pension and how much I'm contributing, mm. and they're perhaps not contributing towards their pension. And all of a sudden, a conversation has been opened up about the benefits mm. of contributing towards your pension, why it's so good at such a young age. And the person on the other side of that conversation can take a quick learning and maybe make a change in their life that's gonna make a monumental shift mm. in their future and in their financial future. So hopefully that's another really good lesson and a, and a key reason to start these conversations. So there you have it. Today we've learned about the hold money can have over all of us, but this doesn't have to be all consuming. If we take steps to protect our mental health, the rest will follow. One great way of doing this is by listening to the previous episodes that we've had of the cash conversation. We've spoken about savings, we've spoken about debt, so many topics that's a great place to start. And if you have enjoyed this episode, like I said, subscribe to our podcast for more financial tips and insights.